We are in a series titled Draw Near. We want to draw near to God. Praise God that he has made a way for us to draw near to him. Because, as Pastor James reminded us last week, God is holy. We are not. That's a problem. Our sin keeps us from God, but God in his mercy has provided a way for us to draw near. And we are studying the Jewish sacrificial system that is described in the first seven chapters of Leviticus. And you might be saying to yourself, why are we studying uh, an outdated religious system? I mean, it, it stopped being the way over 2,000 years ago. People no longer draw near to God through the sacrifice of animals. It's now through Jesus, absolutely. But here's what I can promise you. If you will stay tuned throughout this series, you will better appreciate your salvation and your Savior. And the result of this study will be a richer worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is worth studying if that's going to be the end result. You know, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation uh, shares with us a vision he was given of heaven and of the worship of God in heaven. And I'm going to read a, a portion of that to you. But what I want you to notice is how their worship of our Lord Jesus Christ is very much, um, it's very much in light of the sacrifice he made on the cross. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who by his blood ransomed a people from their sin. Listen to this, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them a kingdom of priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. The voice of many angels. Numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. You can't understand the significance of that. If you don't understand the Jewish sacrificial system. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Why is Jesus called the lamb? We understand when we understand the Jewish sacrificial system. Be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. So I tell you, preparing for this series has, writ, uh, has deepened and enriched my own worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. The lamb who was slain. The one who substituted his life for ours. He died that we might live. Praise Jesus. So if you want to worship him more, more with me, turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 1. Leviticus chapter 1. There are five sacrifices that are discussed in the first seven chapters of Leviticus. We're going to look at all five of them during this series. 
Today we're going to look at the burnt offering. So there's the burnt offering, the fellowship offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, the reparation offering. We're going to look at all of those, but today we're focused on the burnt offering, and that's what's discussed in chapter 1 of Leviticus. But first, a little preamble or introduction. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying... The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God did not wait for us to draw near to him. He initiated and made a way for us. God cares more about a relationship with you than you do having a relationship with him. And he demonstrated his love for us in this. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much does God love you? He loves you this much. Enough that he laid down his very life for you. That's how much he loves you. Greater love has no man than this. A man would lay down his life for his friends. So God initiates. He's the one who wants his people to draw near. He knows that sin has erected a barrier and he has a plan to smash it down. So the Lord called Moses, spoke to him from the tent of meeting. Tent of meeting, this tells us that the temple has not yet been built. Uh, But we do have the tabernacle system that God gave the Jews when they were wandering the wilderness after they had left Egypt. So they're no longer slaves in Egypt, uh, but the temple's not yet built. I have here a picture of the tent of meeting. Uh, There's the, the whole complex is called the tabernacle complex, and there are the outer courts. And then you have the tent of meeting, and the tent of meeting has two rooms. The Holy of Holies, in which is the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments, the Shekinah glory of the Lord, and the Holy Place. And then outside uh, in the courts, you have the altar upon which the sacrifices were burned up. And you have the uh, wash basin, and there was a place to discard uh, skins and ashes. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, now elsewhere in the scripture, God details for the nation uh, what kind of offerings and when and how many they're to bring. But this is for, this is an invitation to the individual Israelite. And I have to assume that those who really want to draw near to the Lord, those who care about a relationship with him will participate more fully, maybe even more often in this system. So there's a lot of human initiative, God says. Uh, This is not, much of this is not mandated, it's offered. If you want to draw near to me, you want to make a sacrifice, here's how you do it. When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. You're not allowed to bring a wild animal to be sacrificed. And that's because your sacrifice must cost you something. You must own it, it must belong to you, and then you give it up. As David said, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. So your sacrifice will come from your herd or from your flock, or it is an animal that you have purchased. It belongs to you, and then you choose to give it up because you wish to draw near to the Lord. So it can either be from the herd, that's cattle, or it can be from the flock, which would either be sheep, goat, or even birds, turtle doves, and pigeons. 
Verse 3. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd. Okay, so we're now talking about burnt offerings, the first of the five kinds of offerings. And there are, you can, chapter 1 details what you do if the burnt offering is from the herd. Then it goes on to talk about what you do if it's a sheep or a goat. Or then it talks about if it's a bird. We're going to just deal with the ox because all of the significant aspects of the burnt offering are dealt with with, uh, with the herd. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. That's because this is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, who was male without blemish. The animal has no physical defect. Jesus had no moral defect. Jesus, the one person and the only person who has lived without sin. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. Here we are given the purpose of the burnt offering. When would you want to bring a burnt offering? When you want to ensure that you are accepted before the Lord. You've got something weighing on your heart. Uh, like Hannah, remember Hannah, she wanted, she was uh, childless and she wanted a child. And so you want to, to make sure that the Lord hears you, you bring a burnt offering before you make your prayer. That way you know that you're in right standing with the Lord, that he accepts you, uh, that he's pleased with you and that he'll hear your prayer. You bring a burnt offering um, as an acknowledgement that you are a sinner and you accept God's verdict that your sin deserves death and you are acknowledging that and you want that sin taken care of maybe you bring a burnt offering when you've really blown it and you want to make sure that the that the judgment of God doesn't break out upon you and your family many motivations for why you would bring a burnt offering but fundamentally it's because I want to be right with God I want him to accept me And so, you have tons of freedom to decide when you're going to bring it. By the way, uh, whether you were to bring uh, a bull or a sheep or a goat or a pigeon turtle dove would have a lot to do with your economic position, right? But I have to imagine that if you can afford a bull and you bring a pigeon, the Lord sees that. And... Uh, he doesn't really, he, what's very interesting, he never says, if you make this much money, bring me a bull. If you make this much, you bring a sheep and a goat. Leaves it totally up to us. And there is a sense in there in which it's, how much do you value your relationship with God? I can imagine that families would, maybe families would save up a lifetime to bring, be able to bring a bull on behalf of the family. So the purpose of the burnt offering is to be accepted before the Lord. And then, and why? Okay, that's a big question. Why does bringing a burnt offering uh, make you accepted before the Lord? What's, what is it about the burnt offering that pleases God? And that's described here in verse 4. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord. 
it shall be accepted for him. This is the principle of substitutionary sacrifice. I'm the sinner. I'm the one who deserves to die. But God in his mercy has chosen to accept an animal's death in my place. And that's only the mercy of the Lord that allows that. It's only his grace. Because justice demands, well, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. I'm the sinner. I deserve to die. But God, out of his love, out of his mercy, out of his grace, has provided a substitute. Of course, the ultimate substitute is Jesus Christ. The temporary substitute was the animal. But the animal, God is saying, uh, it shall be accepted for him. In other words, the animal uh, becomes the replacement. The animal's death is, is the substitutionary death, the replacement death. It shall be accepted for him to make atonement. That's an important word. Christians should know the word atonement. Atonement has two meanings. On one hand, it means purification. On the other hand, it means ransom. And I think in this case, it ransom is the more prominent, not the exclusive, the more prominent meaning. That what is happening is God is allowing the Jewish people to uh, ransom back their lives. You don't need to turn there, but in Exodus chapter 21, uh, we see this principle in effect. And in Exodus 21, it talks about what you do if, if an ox you own gores a person to death. And God's law is if, if the ox you own gores someone to death, the ox must die and you must eat its flesh. But you, the owner, you don't have to die. Unless, unless your ox has a, a habit of goring, a history of goring, then, then it was your responsibility to keep that ox away from people. And now there's negligence. And in that situation, your ox must die and you, the owner, must die. But in that situation, God provides uh, an option to ransom back your life. You can make a deal with the family that has been offended uh, and agree to a price. So maybe it's you know $300,000. And I, I pay $300,000, but at least I get to live. Well, that's what's going on here uh, with God. God is the offended party, right? He's, he's the one who's been offended. The Bible says against you and you only have I sinned. God's been offended. The, the only thing that will satisfy uh, his justice is death. Uh, the blood. In fact, that's what Leviticus chapter 17, 11 reminds us of. Verse, uh, we read, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. And so, um, I've sinned, I've offended God, uh, and my life is forfeit, but God in his mercy and grace has allowed me to ransom back my life with the life of the animal. Okay? Now, I, I want you to en envision, what, envision what this looks like. Um, 
So I will, I have gone out into my herd and I have looked for an ox that is without blemish. Uh, I probably know the name of the ox. Put a, a ring in its nose and a rope and I then lead it. And who knows how, how far that was, but eventually I lead it right up to the, the entrance to the tent of meeting. And I've got my bull and there would be a priest there who meets me and I announce, I have brought a bull for a burnt offering. Then I put my hand on the head of the bull. In fact, the Hebrew word there means, has the implication of lean on. I'm leaning on the head of the bull. And then I cut its throat. Why the lean on? The imagery here is very important. What, what's happening here is a, a very physical, symbolic demonstration that the guilt of my sin is being transferred to the animal. And then I kill that animal. Is there any chance that I'm missing the, the point? <laughs> my sin, the sin of my family, the guilt of that has been transferred to this animal. And out of God's grace, I'm allowed to live while animal dies my sin has cost this animal its life and the animal bleeds out and if you've seen animals bleed out it's not always the most pleasant thing and God is burning into my brain and heart this very important principle that sin costs something Sin brings about death. Sin is a serious business. And God, who rightfully, it should rightfully be me, but God in his mercy and grace has, a, has allowed me to ransom my life back. And this animal dies in my place. God has allowed a substitute. You feel that? That, was, that must have been a powerful experience. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord. Before the Lord is very important. God is witnessing this. God is the one who has been offended and he is witnessing what you are doing. He sees your heart. He sees the contrition. He sees the faith. And then God says, I choose to accept the bull's death in your place. You are now acceptable in before me. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord and Aaron's sons, the priests. By the way, this is the first time they get involved. Up until now, it's all the offerer. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood, so they have captured the blood, and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he, the offerer, shall flay the burnt offering, that means to skin it, to take its hide off, and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron the priests shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons the priests shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat on the wood that is on the fire of the altar. But its entrails and its legs he, the offerer, shall wash with water, to make sure that it's clean, no excrement on it. 
And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So this is not something, you don't just bring your bowl and hand it over to the priests and say, thank you. You are fully involved. You kill the animal, you skin it, you cut it up into pieces, you wash it. Why? God, God wants his people to have a, a very, it's an object lesson, and it is a visceral one that is burning into their, into their conscious uh, a concept of sin brings about death. God provides substitutionary atonement. Super important concepts that what? They foreshadowed Jesus. And so they set an entire people up to understand what it is that Jesus was doing when he hung upon the cross and became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You never could and you never will be able to approach God apart from a sacrifice. Sin demands death, and you're the one who dies unless you bring, bring the sacrifice. And the, and the blood of the sacrifice is spilt on your behalf. And the sacrifice today is, who's the whole burnt offering? Jesus Christ. He has laid his life down to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can be acceptable in before God so that we can actually be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. He's not just accept us, he's pleased with us. Pleased with us. And so in Mark 10, verse 45, we read about Jesus. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He ransomed back our life so that we can live. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Hebrews 10, And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. By the way, um, how exhausting it would be every time you sin, you got to bring a, a burnt offering to get right with the Lord, which is why the altar was constantly burning. And yet Jesus made one sacrifice and his blood atoned for all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, because he is the sinless, perfect lamb of God, the son of God himself. First Peter chapter 1 Verse 18, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. John chapter 1 verse 29, John the Baptist, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you want to draw near to God? Do you want to be acceptable in his sight? Do you want to be him to be pleased with you? 
You'll never be good enough. You can't attend church enough. You can't read the Bible enough. You can't pray enough. can't do enough good works. Because you have sinned. I have sinned. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's only one way to be acceptable. And that's to come with your sacrifice. And that's to take God at his word. To agree with his verdict that you are a sinner deserving of death. You don't resist that. You say, okay, God, I accept that. I'm the one who has sinned. I deserve to die. But you have made a way. And, and today the way is not animal sacrifice. It's Jesus' sacrifice. And so, just like the Old Testament saint would lead that bull right up to the tent of meeting to, to draw near to the Lord. So I want you to visualize that, that you are leading Jesus. You're bringing Jesus alongside you. And you stand before the Lord. I am a sinner. I am deserving of death. But you in your mercy and grace have provided the sacrifice. Jesus, the son of the living God, laid down his life. His blood was shed for the remission of my sin. And you have promised God. You have promised that you will accept Jesus's death in place of my own. And if I put my faith in your promise and I accept Jesus as my savior, as my sacrifice, then you will accept me. You will be pleased with me. My sins are taken away as east, as far as the east is from the west. Remembered no more. Though my skins are, sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Not because I'm good, but because God is merciful and because Jesus Christ was obedient to the Father's plan and he laid down his life and he shed his blood and he has atoned for my sin. Praise God. We worship him. Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. You know, ritual <clears throat> never saves. Ritual never saves. A, a Jew who brought the burnt offering and he he went through the steps but didn't have accompanying faith he was not saved we have always been saved by grace through faith period it's faith in god's promises it's faith in his uh in his substitute and we know this is the case because the prophets uh often told the people of israel God is not accepting your burnt offerings because it's not accompanied by faith. It's just ritual, and God does not accept a ritual. It, so, you might have prayed the sinner prayer. You might have gotten baptized. You might have gone forward one day at church. And if it was accompanied by faith, you are saved. But if it was just ritual... It doesn't save you any more than going, uh, bringing a burnt offering without a, a faith saved you. So we read this. Think about how terrifying this must have been. When the prophet Isaiah said to the people of, uh, of Israel, Hear the word of the Lord. What to me is your multitude of sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Bring, verse 13, bring no more vain offerings. Vain offerings. The, the path that I have provided for you to draw near to me, it's not working. 
Why isn't it working? It's not working because the people's hearts weren't right. It was ritual. They were just going through the motions. They didn't really want a relationship with God. They didn't want to turn from their sin. They didn't want to please him. Amos chapter 5 verse 21. Amos says something similar. I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I'll not look upon them. Verse 24, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You cannot bypass God's requirement of a heart that wants him, will submit to him, will walk with him in fellowship. Ritual can't replace that. Not No matter how religious the ritual. And so... David, I think, puts it so well. Psalm chapter 51, verse 16 and 17. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I'd give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. This is the famous chapter in which David is repenting for his sin with Bathsheba and the killing of Uriah the Hittite. And what he's saying is, God, I can't get right with you just by going out and going through a religious ritual, offer a burnt offering. It has to be accompanied by a contrite spirit, a broken heart. It has to be accompanied by faith. I assume David did, in fact, sacrifice a burnt offering. But he realized it, it's not a substitute for true repentance and a softening of our heart before the Lord. God loves you. God knows you're a sinner. There's no, there's no use hiding that, pretending that you're better than you are. He knows exactly how bad you are. But you know what he says? I've still provided a way for you to draw near. You can still be acceptable, pleasing in my sight. My, I sent my son, my one and only son, into the world to die in your place. He laid down his life. His blood was shed so that yours doesn't have to be. I want you to live. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants us to live. He's provided a sacrifice. He's provided a way. But you have to take him at his word. You have to want him. You have to draw near in his way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. People, there's something within our hearts that so doesn't want to come to God on his terms. I'll be good enough. I'll do it my own way. I'll go through a different religion. Don't tell me what I have to do. Well, God can tell you what, he, what you have to do because he's the one who's been offended and he's the judge. And he can say, in order to satisfy me, in order to be in a right relationship with me, this is what you have to do. Take it or leave it. And let's take it. Let's take it because it is mercy and grace and love of God. Let's pray. 
God, thank you for making a way for us to draw near to you despite our sin. Jesus Christ, thank you for laying down your life for us. By your stripes, we're healed. You have substituted yourself for us. And so, God, we draw near to you now with the burnt offering of your son, Jesus Christ. And we receive by faith your promise that we are accepted and we are pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.